Today's episode is brought to you by Death Wish, Inc. For 20 years, Death Wish has been the go-to label for emerging punk and hardcore. That continues today with their recent releases from scene staples and promising newcomers such as Modern Life is War, Greek Death, Chastity, Converge, Frail Body, and more. Get 10% off all Death Wish music and merch in their store using the link deathwishinc.com slash the first ever, which automatically applies the discount and filters the site for only items included. Again, that is 10% off all Death Wish releases and merch when you visit deathwishinc.com slash the first ever. Have you checked out those new Greek death songs? Jesus, that band is good. Start there. This podcast is presented by DistroKid, an incredible service for musicians that helps you upload your songs to all music streaming platforms from iTunes to Spotify and Apple Music, then pays you revenue from your songs all in one place. They've got a really cool new feature called Splits that allows you to add collaborators so you can pay your co-writers and fellow musicians without needing an accountant. To get 30% off your first year's DistroKid subscription, just head to distrokid.com slash VIP slash hard times. Welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bohm. If this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. This is episode 86. And my guest this week is celebrity dog groomer to the stars, Jess Rona. I was really excited to talk to Jess. Certainly dog grooming is an art form and it is one that we have not had on the show, but her story is so much more than just that. Uh, she's the she's one of the judges on the HBO Max show Hot Dog. Uh, she has a shop in Larchmont here in uh, Los Angeles called Jess Rona Grooming. And uh, she rose to fame by, uh, in you know, quite a number of years ago now by making these amazing slow motion blowout videos of uh, the dogs she had groomed where uh, she basically just made them all look like Beyonce. Um, it was, it's really, really awesome. Uh, she's super, super cool. And uh, yeah, so I hope you enjoy this chat. And also, here's a reminder, there's a bonus episode available right now with Jess. If you head on over to the Patreon, go to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, where right now... There's a bonus episode where she answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. A lot of good advice in there for people wanting to potentially get into dog grooming, all sorts of stuff. Um, Also, I want to shout out our sponsor, Discovered Magazine. Discovered is an international print counterculture magazine encompassing the best of music, art, skateboarding, and anything with a punk ethos. Listeners get 10% off a yearly subscription using the code FIRSTEVER, spelled out, when you visit store.dscvrd.co. All right, without further ado, here's my conversation with the wonderful Jess Rona. Hey Jess, how are you? 
Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing good. I appreciate you making time for me. Hell yeah, man. You're Lemon's dad. If I'm, whatever Lemon's dad needs, I'm here for it. <laughs> she actually, I think uh, I don't know if you know, but she's uh she's she's going by uh your place tomorrow. She's she's getting tomorrow. 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 Holy Shinoli, that's exciting. I didn't know. Sometimes I don't look at the schedule till the morning of. Yeah, it's she uh she needs it. She uh she looks she looks really? ferocious right now. Yeah. Can I just thank you for keeping up with her top knot? It means a lot to me. <laughs> it's funny. There's been there's been conversations where I'm like, you know, we have to take it out a lot where we have to fix it a lot because she as soon as you put it in, she just wants to jam her head right no. and, and take it out. So um, but it's too damn cute. What so are we gonna like, do? It's too cute. Wait, does she really, really hate it all the time, or is it just like sometimes? She does her best to to uh to just have her hair constantly in her face. So it's like we put it up. It might last a you know maybe thirty minutes, and then it's it's back to thirty just, minutes. Oh, yeah. Chanel, you're making me feel like we should cut it. I don't know. I, I don't know. know. That's I'm... a huge statement this early in the morning. I'm so sorry. I should definitely <laughs> prepare you for such a big bomb. So sorry. I know. Um, I think Ashley's. Yeah. I, Ashley has a hard time coming to coming she to, would not. to grips with the idea. She would not allow it. She really <laughs> yeah. wouldn't. Lemon has to suffer with her ponytail. Exactly. Exactly. It's not tight. It's not, it's just probably like maybe she feels it or something. I don't know. I, I think any chance she can get to be kind of a brat, she's going to, she's going to take it no matter what it <laughs> same. is. Same. Literally yeah. same. <laughs> so I don't know if I know this. Are you from LA originally? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm from the of, Valley, baby. Where in the Valley? Well, I grew up like, um, in a few places, Van Nuys, Granada Hills, and I went to school in Tarzana. Okay. So, so but I'm like Valley. a true and true. I have an 818 number. I'm like a true Valley girl. Yeah, baby. Okay. Wait, where are you from? Burbank. Born and raised in Hell Burbank. Hell yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, so, I'm so like, like when you... I'm like at the very edge of the Valley. Like I'm like just barely enough allowed to say I'm from the Valley. Really? Because are you right next to Glendale? Yeah, yeah, it's and, and I you're I, I, way cooler than me. I almost feel My, like, where I grew up was not cool at all. Well, the valley had its cred. The valley had the valley had oh, I mean, really, you, yeah, of course. You got, I, I mean, mean, you got, I you had got no more, cred. <laughs> you have more of we a claim just, to like to like the clueless style valley than like Burbank, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, totally. Yeah, the shitsville of the San Fernando Valley. Although now, like, so many people are moving to, like, Woodland Hills and Tarzana and Encino. And I'm like, so is that cool now? Because it was not cool when I was growing up. We were trying to get the hell out of there my whole childhood. Yeah. Trying to, like, be cool and go to the clubs in Hollywood. But, yeah, man. I always laughed in, actually, in the movie Clueless when her dad says... Everywhere in the valley is 15 minutes. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not true. Have you there's like No, he says everywhere. He says everywhere in LA is 20 minutes. I oh, think that's that? what he says. Okay. I think your listeners incorrect. need to Google this right now and please <laughs> slide into Jeremy's yeah. DMs <laughs> and correct him. Correct me, yes, exactly. Um so this is so you know the show is all about first experiences and things like that. So because you're a very multifaceted person, you've you, you obviously do you've done comedy, you've done acting, you've done directing, like all sorts of stuff. Um, but you know, obviously dog grooming. So the first obvious question is, when was your first pet? Like when did you have your first pet, and what was that pet's name, and what was what kind of pet Holy was it? Shit. 
Okay, so I had cats growing up. My first cat was named Smitty, um, and I never had dogs. Um, and my mom really took care of her. My mom is such a cat person. So we had cats. I didn't know anything about dogs. Wow. Which so is when so did that funny change? and weird. Yeah, when did that change? I got a job when I was 18 at PetSmart as a dog bather because I saw all these different job descriptions and on their uh, help wanted whatever application that I filled out. And it was just like, there was a list of different jobs that you could do, like work with um, work as a cashier or work in the pet food aisle. And then at the very bottom, it said dog bather. And I was like, Oh, this is, this seems like weird and cool. I'm going to do this. And I had no idea a how freaking hard it is. And B I don't know how to work. I didn't know how to work with dogs at all. So like, I was like really thrown into it. Um, But I was always a really hardworking person. My mom had a small business. My stepdad had a small business. They put me to work real young. I was just always working. I always had like two or three jobs like my whole life. So I've just always been a hustling lunatic. But um, I just was like, okay, well, this is hard and weird, but I'm just going to keep going because, you know, it's paying my bills. Sure. So that's how I really got started. That was like the beginning. Yeah. Did you uh, did you like kind of take to dogs pretty quickly? Because I'm like you where I was raised with cats. I was always in the cat family. And since being like once Ashley and I started dating, that's the first dog that I've ever had in my life, which was Melissa. And, oh my god! And that is a very interesting dog to have as your first dog. Oh, she was so Melissa perfect. was an was she? I thought she was. Uh, oh no, it was the other one that was. That was difficult. Marianne. Yeah, yeah, that was Marianne. Marianne. I, 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 it's my mother in law's <laughs> name, Marianne. Okay, yeah, she was. Oh, Melissa was perfect. Oh, yeah, Melissa, was I remember. A, yeah, Melissa was a little the little Maltese, and she was just like yeah. the most the most heartwarming, sweet. So I was yeah. like, also coming from being a cat person, not to compare cats and dogs too much, but like, you know, she's as gentle as like a cat, you know, could be if like just being lazy, kind of laying around the house. Um, so she was a, yeah. great, a, great, a great intro dog. Um, but what I was going to ask is like, did you, um, did you end up like kind of taking to dogs kind of quickly? Like, did, did you like find a love for them or was it kind of uh, difficult because you're so used to cats at first? Um. It wasn't, um, it was difficult because I didn't understand how to communicate with dogs yet in the beginning. And you're like, you need to do these things as a groomer, like clip nails and wash the dog. And, and if it's really hard to speak dog, it's really hard to do the job. Mm. And, um, it took me about, I probably like 15 years um, maybe a little less to really understand how to communicate with dogs really well so that they, you can connect with them in a way where it's like, Hey, I'm going to do this thing with you versus to you. Um, but in the beginning it was really challenging to bathe a bunch of dogs all day. They're shaking on you. And you know, if you bathe a dog and you stand on the side of the dog and they shake, like the water goes all around the sides of them. So always yeah. stand in the front or the back. Well, that took me years to get to understand. Um, also, I was a kid. You know, I didn't know any better. I would just like wear these like skater shoes to work all. And like, I would just like, my feet would be soaking wet because I would bathe like Dobermans and Golden Retrievers on the floor. 
I would just bathe dogs. Some groomers still bathe on the floor. And I'm like, dude, I didn't care. Like I was breaking my back. I was so young. I just didn't know any better. Sure. And now I'm just like such a baby about everything. I'm just like, I paid my dues, man. I don't want to do that anymore. But, um, but yeah, I mean that it was really hard in the beginning. I did not know what I was doing. It was very difficult. Sure. Yeah. And it's funny, even just you saying like, yeah, stand in the front or the back. Like I wouldn't have even thought to do that, but boy, does that make sense? You're in the line of fire when you're on the side, man, you're going to get splashed all day with soapy dog water all day long. And that's how I lived my life for a good, I would say three years when I was first starting, just, just a hard time, you know, but it, it afforded me my first beautiful Toyota Corolla, um, which lasted me many, many years. Um, drove that thing into the ground. <laughs> yeah. And that's really why I started working there is because I wanted a car because sure. I lived in LA. Yeah. I had to like, you know, go drive out to, to Hollywood, get out of the valley. But yeah. this all happened in Reseda. I worked in Reseda. That PetSmart's no longer there. Now it's like some weird like clothing store. I don't know. <laughs> um, and uh, so I know that obviously like comedy is also a big part of your life and, and like uh, we can get a very like bare bones to start with like what was what was the first time that you felt like you connected with comedy? Oh, my God. I've been a ham since I was in in elementary school. I was always the class clown making everyone laugh. Um, I, I've just been like that my whole life. Just trying to make people laugh forever. Sure. But was there like, was there any like TV shows or movies or stand up specials that you saw that you remember when you were a kid that like, that like made an impact? I I don't know if it was like that made an impact. It was mostly like my dad's side of the family. They were all really funny. And my mom, so they had like a really funny wit. And my mom had really funny, goofy humor. So I feel like I was inspired by like, the Rona side of wit and then my mom's side of goof. (laughs) And so I put them together. Also, like I was like a little bit of a black sheep. I was in my family. I was, you know, a chubby girl who was getting, you know, bullied a little bit. So I used humor to get people to like me and to like deflate a situation Um, and to also protect myself. So I, yeah, let's get, let's get deep. Let's go, let's go there. Um, But yeah, no, I just, I used humor to protect myself. Like if I can make you laugh, then you're not going to like come at me, you know? So that's really where my humor really comes from is like survival and protection as a kid. Um, And also like my family's funny, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, that, that completely makes sense. I, I, I can relate to that for sure. Like, there's that thing where if you can make everyone laugh uh, and, you know, sort of uh, take attention in class and and that sort of a thing and maybe disrupt the class or something like that, like whether it's the jocks or the whoever, like they're all going to they might not want to hang out with you, but they're going to at least <laughs> they're going to at least appreciate your presence in a in a situation. And that is helpful. I totally I completely understand and can relate to that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you, I know you ended up getting into to improv and things like that as well. When did that start with you? That started after I was doing, um, I used to do, I I've been in acting classes forever. My mom used to work at this acting school in Hollywood called the Lee Strasberg theater Institute. And I would go to work with her and take classes and I was obsessed. And then, um, 
And then I, I stopped for a while um, just because I kind of like didn't believe I could do it. I, I had a lot of limiting beliefs that I've like overcome in my adulthood. But like, um, I remember that I was like at 23, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take another acting class. So I took classes at this school in North Hollywood called Playhouse West. Um, mm-hmm. And Jeff Goldblum is a teacher there. And I believe he's one of the founders potentially, but it's like a Meisner based technique school. And you would do, we would do a lot of scene study in the advanced classes and man, it was a lot of work. And then I discovered, I I moved to New York when I was like 26 and I'd always wanted to try improv. um, And I was like, let me take a class. I'm just going to try it. Cause I was in New York and I didn't want to do like a regular acting class. And that's like what, during the first improv class was when I fell in love with improv. Cause I was like, Holy shit. I don't have to memorize all these lines. I could just show up without any homework, without any work. There's no right. effort. I just show up and be present and listen and play. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. I'm done. This is, and then it was like, forget it. Everything, nothing else mattered. I was like, I am obsessed with improv. I became such a nerd. I went to every show. Um, you know, I dated all the assholes. I was just like all over it. I was all up in the UCB scene in New York, just went like, just was all about it. And then yeah. I was also waiting tables, so I wasn't grooming dogs at that time. Um, I took a break um, because I really wanted to pursue acting. That was my my whole gig, my whole dream. Um, and so I was waiting tables groom, um, and uh, doing improv. And then I was like, man, like, I really don't want to wait tables anymore. I love improv, but like, I can't, I remember I know how to do this thing. Let me see if I could get good at it, really good at it. So I moved back to L.A. and it was like a really hard low moment. Like I had to move back in with my mom. I didn't have a car. I was like at rock bottom. Like I had nothing, but I started to do UCB out here, upright citizens brigade, which I don't know if it's still around like post pandemic. I don't know what's happening with it. It's confusing. Um, I walked past it. The building's obviously still there, but they haven't been doing shows at all, which is, is I, know. Seemingly I don't know. It's yeah. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm pretty removed from it now, but yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, I just, I just slowly, I got a job at a grooming shop and I was like ready to get good. Um, I just made a decision. Like I want to get excellent at improv and dog grooming. Those are my yeah. passions. And so I dove in, I started doing grooming competitions. I started interning at UCB. I was like improv shows at night, grooming dogs all day and just like wanting to just kill it in both. And that's where my focus was for many, many years. Um, yeah. Were you and then doing, like, were you doing classes at UCB or were you, or did, were you like, Oh yeah. Tr- oh my God. Were you, part, were you like a part of a, I was on doing so shows? many teams. Oh, yeah. I was on teams. I was on, I would do shows all the time. I was taking all the classes multiple times. Like I would take classes more than once with different teachers. Yeah. Um, when I set my mind to something, it's like, forget it. It's done. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I was just like going nuts. Um, and I started doing these grooming competitions. I found there's this big groom expo West that comes to Pasadena once a year and they have competitions. They have, it's a trade show. So you could buy scissors, you could buy shampoo, meet all your grooming idols. Um, this was pre Instagram, but I, 
there's a magazine called Groomer to Groomer magazine. Um, and so I would learn about the groomers and see their photos. And um, I had my own grooming idols at the time. And I was like, damn, they're so good. Like they're magicians. How do they sculpt hair like that? Like they're so yeah. good. Um, and there's so much technical side to grooming that it's just like, how do they like know this stuff? It was like mind blowing to me. Same with improv. I'm like, how do you ma magically have a callback at the end of a 20 minute set that you started off with? Like, it's so satisfying. So, um, so I went to these trade shows and I would send like email my idols before and after photos and ask for feedback. And I still talk to them to this day. And it's so crazy because now they're asking me for, for feedback on their shit. And I'm just <laughs> like, holy shit, that's insane. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like I just went off on a tangent. Did that answer no, your it. question? Yeah, of course <laughs> Like, what's your question? Yeah, so um, I have like a list of questions and I was like, well, I, just, I think she I'm just knocked all the boxes. Checking yeah. all the boxes. Yeah, you're, you're knocking yeah. them all off. Um, did, uh, what I'm trying to think of what, if you were at UCB in New York, was that like mid 2000s? Was that like mid to late 2000s? No, it was early 2000s. Oh, early 2000s. Yeah, I was trying to yeah. think. I've had a few people on the show that were in New York doing UCB. Wait, we don't, we're not in late 2000s yet. Or, no, this, no, I'm saying like for when you were out there, maybe like mid, like uh, early to mid 2000s. Um, I'm wondering if there was any crossover with maybe. We're not even in mid. Wait, what's mid 2000s? Isn't that 2,050? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I think. Well, I don't. <laughs> it's hard to think that. And isn't late 2000s like 2080? Oh, God, it's hard to think that we're even going to be around that long at this point, right? Oh, it's, my God, it's... don't depress me this early. <laughs> I was just talking to someone today about having kids. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. But if you have kids, they're like, the Florida is going to be underwater in like 15 years. Like, what kind of world are we? I, let's not yeah. get morbid. I don't yeah, know. Live your morbid, life. Yeah. Have all the kids you want. Um, <laughs> I was there in like 2000. Oh, my God, like 2008. -ish. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and I worked at a restaurant called the Stanton Social, which was like a really hit place. Yeah. Um, and I would do improv shows like that's what my life was in New York. My life was hard in New York. That was like a tough time. New York is hard when you're broke. Let me tell you, you're schlepping yeah. around. It's cold and rainy. You just you just get hit in the rain out of nowhere. Did you have this is pre cell phone? This is like right when the iPhone came out. Now I'm sure it's so much easier. You can call a car. You can look at the weather. <laughs> like it's like so <laughs> look easy. at a map and figure you out where to actually the, go. Map. Yeah. yeah, they. I uh, mean, this was like was that 2008? I don't even know. Maybe it was a little earlier. But yeah. Did um did you did you have friends that you made at UCB out there that eventually ended up moving out of here? I'm sure. Oh, a t there was a wave of people totally. that came to LA from UCB, New York. They were too cool for me. So I wasn't really friends with them, but I was a fan of theirs. People like, you know, Adam Pally and Ben Schwartz, those guys um, yeah. who are like successful actors now um, and really working. But like, you know, Rob Hubel, Paul Shear, all right. those big comedy guys that were like kings of UCB New York, they came over here and just were kings of UCB LA. Right. And they were way too cool for me. So I was just, you know, clapping in the back, crying, wishing I could be as talented. Like oh. they are just wonderfully talented. Um, 
Um, you might be selling yourself short, but, uh, no, I mean, I'm a genius now, but back then (laughs) I had a lot of limiting beliefs. That's the right. I I didn't believe, I just didn't believe in myself. And when you're in like UCB was kind of culty. So like, it was very political, like, um, and I would just like watch all my friends who I was in classes with kill it in these auditions and then make it onto house teams. And I was so nervous with auditioning that I fully self-sabotaged and like fucked it all up. And I would get callbacks. I would get so close and then something would prevent me from going forward. Um, But I had a lot of internal work I had to do. A lot of therapy, a lot of like, you know, personal development stuff that I've done. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it was just, I just wasn't in the mindset in the mental space to be able to succeed in that world. And also like when you keep, I don't want, I mean, I wasn't failing, but when you keep like not making it on a team, you think you suck. I I must suck. I must be bad. I must not be funny. And right. to have that on that chip on my shoulder throughout my whole experience at UCB, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. It was just like I put it up on such a high pedestal that it was like slaying a dragon every time I would have to go audition. And it was just, I auditioned for 10 years. Um, and it finally like, you know, hit me like, man, like, I don't think I want to audition again. All my friends that were in these classes, they're now the ones in the audition seeing if I should come in and be on a team. I'm like, dude, I was in like 401 with you. And now you're the one who's the gatekeeper. Like, you know, I'm as good as you. I just fuck up auditions. Um, And it was just a mind fuck. It was a big mind fuck. And a a lot of people had this same experience that I did. You know, I was a hundred percent good enough to be on a team. Looking back, I'm like, friend, you are funnier than some people that were on these teams. They just had a lot more balls and they just really believed in themselves. And it took me many years to understand how to believe in myself. Yeah. I mean, these things, these things are, I mean, it's common with all sorts of different things. I mean, even just like if you're in high school and you're, you can turn in all your homework and do really great on your homework, but as soon as you time for a test, nerves get you all that sort of stuff and you fail every test. You know what I'm saying? Like these, these are things that happen and, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, you, you're able to look back on that and understand those things. You know, that's, that's really important for just, you know, self-care, you know, to know that, that, you know, history isn't always what you think it is um, no i'm the i'm fucking hilarious i'm so <laughs> talented and funny i don't have to i now i know it but you know that was like yeah. however many years ago 10 years ago that i was worried about that yeah so in those last 10 years i've really built up my confidence hell yeah so what uh i saw that you direct like you directed a like a tegan and sarah video talk to me about that yes. how did that come into your life Holy shit. I'm such a fan of theirs. So I went to, my husband's an actor. His name's Eric Edelstein. He's in a lot of movies and like his IMDb is super long and you would recognize him from so many things. Anyway, and, uh, I just want to brag about him real quick. He's in, he's in green room, right? He's in green room. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. He's in green room. Yeah. Um, and um, I just wanted to, you know, tell your listeners what a great guy my husband is. But he's the best. Um, anyway, he was friends with um, some actors uh, that would host these uh, mafia nights at their house. And um, mafia is this game where you like find a murder and it's like, have you ever played it? I've never played it, but I'm aware of what it is. I, but I'm going to, okay, okay. for, for the sake of the story, I'm going to pretend that he's actually just in the mafia. 
Okay, okay, okay. Um, my husband's in the mafia. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, there would be actors at this person's house, like, all the time. And, like, I'm from L.A. I, I don't know if you have this, but, like, I don't really get super starstruck because you're so used to it that it's like, oh, they're just, like, a regular person. It's not really a big deal. Um, but I saw Sarah from Tegan and Sarah at this party, and I was like, friend, I'm so sorry. I don't ever do this, but I'm just, I just have to tell you, I'm a really big fan. Yeah. Um, I love your music so much. And that was um, 2014. Um, and, and so this was like right when Instagram was first starting. Sure. And she's like, so charming and chatty. Both Tegan and Sarah are very charming and very chatty. Um, and they're just like really good at having a conversation. You know what I mean? Like sometimes when you first meet someone, you're like, so, uh, what do you do? Like, they're just, you know, it was just very easy to talk to her. She's like, do you want to get a drink? And I'm like, yeah, oh my God, of course. Yes. Let's get, let's have a drink. What, what you, what you drinking? You know? Um, and so I was telling her a little bit about myself and I showed her my Instagram. And at that time I probably had like maybe five or 10,000 followers. It was very new. And, um, it's only because I started making these dog videos of dogs blowing in the wind in slow-mo, right. um, which is what I became known for. Um, and she just, uh, we sort of like, that, we played mafia the rest of the night. Like I kind of left her alone and I was just like, so great meeting you. Like at the end of the night, she was waiting for uh, like an Uber or whatever. And I was like, so great meeting you. Are you, are you good? You know? And that was it. I kind of left her alone. And then she slid into my, um, Twitter DMs. I don't know. I'm never on Twitter. Is that, do you say DMs, Twitter, whatever? It works. Twitter yeah, message. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, I'm literally never on Twitter. Um, but uh, she slid in. She's like, hey, I'd love to grab a drink and talk about your love of dogs and pop music. And I screamed. I screamed um, because I love them. And I was like, holy fuck. Sarah from Tegan and Sarah wants to hang out with me. Yeah. I was I was like, I was beside myself. I mean, I'm really a fan. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot. Those days living in New York, that's what I was listening to when I was on the subway. Like that's where I, that's how much I love them. Yeah. The um, con, the, the con was inescapable. Dude, yeah. Dude, their music is so good. They're such good songwriters. I'm really just, they're so great. Yeah. Um, and so we had a drink. I met her and her partner at a bar in Silver Lake and we fucking had a drink. And, got to know each other and then we would text here and there and she had a party and um and I went to the party I mean just to be invited I was like I can't believe this is my life um I mean I still have these moments where I'm like what is my life um and so I met Tegan there at the party and um and that and I met um Katy Perry's assistant there at that party and um, cause Tegan and Sarah opened for Katy Perry years ago oh, right. when they were on tour. So um, Katy Perry's assistant was there who had a dog. And so I was like, Oh, um, I'm a dog groomer. And then we started talking and then I started grooming her dog. Um, but the Tegan and Sarah video came when like, maybe I would say like six months later or less, they asked me if I would want, cause I think they, they had a lot of small, like almost like non-directors direct their all their music videos for that album. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a song called 100 Times and they asked if I would do a video. 
And I was like, yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? I would, I like, I died. I was like, oh, yes. Um, and it's so funny because I saw Tegan and I have become really close friends and I saw her recently and she, they originally, she originally thought that, um, or Sarah originally thought that I would say no, that people ask me this all the time and that oh I would God. like be annoyed or something. And I'm like, are you, you kidding no me? Idea. Yeah. I like, love you. It's hard for me not to like hug you at all times. I'm, I'm holding back. That's how much I love you. Um, but yeah, it was like surreal and incredible. And I, I absolutely love directing. It's so fun for me. Today's episode is brought to you by Anchorfish Printing. Hey, are you thinking about starting up that band label or distro, or maybe you already have one and you need some merch. Anchorfish Printing has been taking care of bands for over 15 years I can speak from personal experience. When Touche Amore started, Michael at Anchorfish was our guy for shirts, hoodies, patches, back patches, anything uh, that, you know, you could put ink on material for, he can take care of. Check out their uh, Instagram over at anchorfish underscore printing right now and mention the first ever podcast and receive 10% off your order. Hit them up for shirts, hats, stickers, anything you can really think of and be on your way. Yeah, how long was that shoot? Like, how what what was that experience like for you? Because was that your first time directing something, or had you done? That was my first time. Well, I I think I became a director when I started making my Instagram videos, because with dogs, um, you're kind of at their mercy for the most part. And so what I would do is I would find the moments in the edit of what I want, and then yeah. I would use those moments to create emotion. And I would use, I would, I would find emotional moments and that became the video. And that's, um, and so I think the iPhone has made it so that I could really be a director because I'd always wanted to do it, but it's like, I don't know how to work cameras. I don't really know that. So like, I just feel like so much creative freedom with an iPhone creating content. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so I, I think that was the beginning where I was like, I really feel like I'm a director. And so I directed a, a commercial for liquid plumber, which was really fun and weird and random. Amazing. But one of my clients was like there, she worked for their branding something. I don't know, but she, she was like, do you want to direct a commercial with liquid plumber? And I was like, yeah, of course. Um, that was a really weird experience, but I learned a lot. Um, was there, was there anything and, in the liquid plumber video that was reflective of what you did, what you do with the dog videos? Oh yeah. Okay, I, so um, what, like what happens? There's a lot of wind blowing of dogs. Okay. It was, it's basically, it's a Valentine's kind of, or no, it was, was it a, yeah, it was like a Valentine's day theme. Um, and I went to my friend's shop. I wish I had my shop at the time, but I went to my friend's shop and it's a love story between a standard poodle and my dog, Toopy, who's like a little pit mix. Um, but basically a dog is filthy, dirty, breaks out of the leash from the the owner's hand and runs into the grooming shop, runs through slow-mo, runs and jumps into the bathtub and gets glammed. And, um, and like all the dogs see this dog running through the shop and, and then, um, but then hair, as I brush, as the dog gets brushed, hair flies through the air and lands right in the tub. And there's so much hair and liquid plumber to the rescue. There you go. 
Okay. I was trying to find the Genius. tie. I was like, I was like, okay, dog running. Okay. I'm trying to figure yes. out the point in which Liquid Plumber um, enters the scene. The dog that's that's standing outside sees the dog run inside and kind of falls in love, love at first sight. And then they end up together after the dog is clean and glammed and gorgeous. Well, that's the cool. end. That's what everybody wants. That's the nice. Ending. I wonder if it's somewhere online. I don't know if it is, but <laughs> somewhere it's somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to try to look it up for sure. Um, um, yeah. But I, I, I had, oh, I was just going to say, I had been making a lot of videos my time in UCB. I would always make little videos like with friends, funny or die videos, musical comedy videos. So I was always kind of knowing how to ha- like run a little bit like a baby set. Okay. Because of all the little videos I had made throughout the years. So sure. I was able to get Tegan and Sarah in and out quickly because I don't want them sitting around waiting all day. And we shot the whole thing in my garage, which is where I would groom Melissa. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. It was all shot that? in my garage. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, the sh- I, f- I kind of forget now. Is the shop that you have right now in Larchmont, is that, is that that's not the first shop that wasn't your garage right or was there one between no it is no first this is the first Mm -hmm. one yeah amazing how and I mean how has that experience been for you so far like do you enjoy having the freedom to like (laughs) to disconnect from your home I'm sure 100% yes yes having a brick and mortar is is it's is a new set of challenges but it's also wonderful to have a boundary between work and not work basically Yeah. yeah Yeah, I I can only imagine how was um, I mean, what was it like, uh, like having to like get a staff and all that sort of stuff? Because before it was, I feel like it was maybe just like you and two other people or something. Now you have quite a few people, right? Yes, I have a staff of eight people. Is that is that like is that like is is it was it tough for you to sort of like have that level of trust with people that maybe you're just like you're you're interviewing and hiring on kind of a thing because you're so specific. Yeah, uh, it's so it's the biggest challenge for a small business owner to trust and release perfectionism. It is because we are artists, we are a service and we do it the way we do it. And it's hard to train other people to do the, exactly what we do as business owners and as, you know, creators. Um, so the best, the biggest thing I had to learn was to release control and to trust And now the team that I've built is like so unbelievably trustworthy and I can completely rely on them to carry out my vision so thoroughly. They are so, they're like more psycho than I am about it. (laughs) And I love that. And I love my team. I hire based on energy and the way this person would potentially fit in with the current team. Got it. So I don't do a lot of hiring. I had to fire someone when we first moved into the brick and mortar. Um, but ever since then, it's just been for the most part, it was like shifty in the beginning, but it's, it's hard. It's like a monster. It's its own, own little thing. Yeah. I can only, I can only imagine. Um, so it's funny. We probably skipped way ahead, but this is kind of a fun question. Which was, do you, I know you said you were bathing dogs, but do you remember the first time you groomed a dog and what that experience was like for you? Oh my god! Holy shit! I don't know like, if I remember the first time I ever gave a dog a haircut. Yeah, but I do remember the first time I started doing like 
pads, like shaving pads of like feet. Okay. All of it is scary when you're first starting. It's a sharp tool around a live human dog. Um, (laughs) And and this dog like is the love of someone's life. So like, it's like no pressure, but don't hurt this dog. Um, But yeah, I remember just kind of going for it and always caring a lot. Like I'm a super sensitive person. So um, I would just, you know, I want to do it well and right and make sure the dog is okay. You know? Yeah, of course. Of yeah. Course. Um, did you, do you feel like you, you took to it pretty naturally? Like once you, once you got going or was there like, yeah. A- well, the, so there's, there's like three different aspects that are, t- that apply to dog grooming. There's the technical side where you have to learn about balance and structure of the dog, breed standard, like those rules, um, angles, and, you know, um, that's really technical. There's also like the actual artistry and blending and like the pretty stuff. And then the third aspect is the energy. You're working with a dog. So you have to have some sort of energetic connection with the dog or learn that dogs are energy readers. And that's how you can get what you need to get done done. So as far as that goes, I was really good at the blendy stuff. Mm -hmm. I could blend a coat because I used to paint. So like I felt like I could use my shears to blend really pretty, but I didn't have any technical know-how at all. So like the haircut was blended and it wasn't choppy, but the shape was like not pretty at all. It was like, you know, I don't even know what I did. I just didn't know shape at all. Sure. Yeah. So it took many years to learn balance and structure and energy to go together with the blendy stuff. Right. And I mean, um, it's, I, I applaud you for, I mean, you said early on, like, you know, once you get into something, you like really commit to it and you get really like mm-hmm. deep into it. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, stuck with it. And then just for like, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Starting from someone who like, you know, didn't even get raised with dogs. Like that's such a big story arc for, uh, for like where you are today, you know? Oh yeah. It's crazy. Um, and then, uh, obviously you had this show, uh, on HBO, which we're all so we are so excited when that when that got announced and everything like that. It, that seemed like a really fun show to make. Um, how long was that process? The and for those listening, it's uh, show, the show is called Hot Dog. How uh, how long was that process from like development and getting it made and all of that? Like, was it a long time? Um, yeah, it was excruciatingly long. Um, <laughs> it was <laughs> my um, one of my clients. Uh, one of my clients came into my garage and she was like, Oh, we're making a show. And I was like, okay. I mean, I'd heard so many for so many years and I'd had meetings with people who like wanted to do a reality show and all this stuff. But, um, yeah, it took about three years and yeah. And we were, she really did all the heavy lifting because she had created or she had created shows before she created the show making it with um, Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler. They host it. It's on NBC and now she has baking it. Um, Her name's Nicole Yaron. She's like a genius when it comes to making shows. Um, 
And she and I like developed the concept and created a sizzle. She had an editor like put a sizzle together and a pitch together. And she basically pitched the show and sold it based on that sizzle. And they bought 12 episodes, HBO yeah. Max. This was when HBO Max was just starting. So right. they needed stuff. Yeah. And it was really cool. It was yeah. like crazy. Yeah. Was that, uh, I know you had acted in, in some shows before, but this was, was this the first time that you uh, were like more so you're, you know, like being yourself on camera? Cause I've, I've seen that you did some TV appearances and things like that. Like you, I saw you like went on Ellen and things like that, but like, I didn't go what, on Ellen. I oh, wish didn't? I did. Oh, what show no, did you go I on? wish I did. Wait, what was the one it's I saw on IMDb. Oh, Drew Barrymore? On. Drew Barrymore. I went with the other blonde. I'm so sorry. Oh um, my God. I'm no so comparison. rude. Although I really wanted to go on Ellen. It was like a bucket list thing, but I think yeah. the ship has sailed. Sure. Um, um, so, so I mean, yeah, from going on a, a show like the Drew Barrymore show and then doing um, that kind of a show, which was first, by the way, which one did you do first? Oh, Hot Dog was first. Okay. okay. So, yeah. okay. So was this your first time like being yourself on camera, not like a character? Yeah, I think it was. And man, it was fun because we got to improvise and do bits all day long. Yeah. Like not a lot of it made it into the show, but we were lunatics all day. And it was like the two loves of my life were coming together, improv and dog grooming. Yeah. It was like, it was just magical. And do you think, and at that point, like, I mean, I already know that like your, you as, as, as someone who grooms dogs was already like quite popular. Um, but did that show elevate it to like a, a level that got hard to sort of manage at all? Or was it already pretty hard? Oh to my manage? God, no, it was nothing. It was, you know, the opening of brick and mortar and like the day to day is much harder to manage than like, you know, brand deals and talk shows and that kind of thing. Yeah. That stuff is super fun for me. Um, obviously yeah. one of the things that was really hard for my ego was HBO max wanted me to be considered just the expert. So I wasn't able to really show that I'm not just a dog groomer. They really didn't want me to be funny. And that was the biggest, um, heartbreak to be honest. Because I, I really started this business so I could have time to audition, which is so funny. Yeah, I started this business in my garage so I could go out because I got fired because I kept leaving for auditions. And she should have fired me, the, my old boss. She totally, I should not have worked for her. Yeah. Um, I was not a good employee. I get it. <laughs> she did the right thing. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the whole point of this was to become an actress. And once I got there to that place I wanted, they were like, mm, you, we, we need you to just be the expert. So you're not going to get the jokes and you're not going to be the funny one. And I was like, really upset about that. Did that, um, did that news come to you once you start, once you were like starting to film yeah. or. Oh. Yeah. Once I started to film. Cause and also, like, so a lot of the funny stuff we did in the room was not in the edit. Yeah. Um, and some of it, I mean, it's not like I'm not funny, but yeah. basically everyone's like, just show that you're funny. And, um, you know, you've, you'll just you'll just prove yourself. And I was just like, <laughs> um, 
dude <laughs> it's like it's like a that. really difficult task it's like it's like we're not we don't want you to actually be funny but be naturally funny but maybe it won't make the show it's like that's yeah what kind of a corner is that to be put in I mean I don't know I they yeah. were just doing what was best for the show as a whole and I understand yeah. that sure. um, but my little baby ego was like yeah. but but can I be the funny one right can I please be the funny one come on man I don't want to be the groomer it's so funny because like I just didn't want to be known as a groomer I used to hide it I would hide it from people I wouldn't tell them because I didn't want to be known as a dog groomer and um but you know that said the minute I stopped swimming upstream and released that and just sort of went with the flow more and more opportunities would come to me so um and it felt right so uh, that was a lesson I had to learn of to stop white knuckling everything and to just be like, all right, well, I will be the expert, but maybe it'll lead to something else, you know, right. in whatever capacity. So, um, and also like I had a fucking show, like <laughs> I right. didn't want to like, yeah, be like ungrateful. Sure. Um, but it's just, you know, our egos get the best of us and we're just like, you know throwing little tantrums I didn't really throw tantrums um maybe I did but I was just you know Um, I was just yeah yeah, ego ego was bruised it's 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 the most typical thing in the entire world though isn't it to where it's like as soon as you let go of of the of trying so hard to maybe do something or focusing all your attention on like maybe why something isn't happening as soon as you stop doing that things start coming your way it always it always goes that way whether it's relationships whether it's work whether it's uh, all of those sorts of things um yeah and like totally i fully agree with that and because i went with the flow i was able to have opportunities come to me where i was able to make money off those opportunities And the money was used to create a new show that I shot, directed, produced, and did everything for that I'm about to start pitching. So like that money was made to make a new show, which I just um, finished. Congrats. Um, Can you talk about it at all? Yeah. It's basically like The Office meets Best in Show um, with a little curb. Your enthusiasm splashed in there. Um, It's a mockumentary style workplace comedy that takes place in a grooming shop. And it's been my dream to create the show. It's called For the Love of Dog. And um, I'm putting together a link to send to industry so that I shot six episodes. um, And it all takes place at my grooming shop. And I cast my employees as actors. I had some guest stars come over um, to play clients dropping off dogs. Um, But... Yeah, but um, I just really feel like this show will bring joy and humor to the world right now. And everybody wants that right now. It's a hard time. So let's give them some joy and love and humor. Um, And and dogs. (laughs) It's not really centered around the dogs, but basically the premise is um, there's a big grooming competition and, and we're all getting ready for it. And we actually shot the finale at Groom Expo West. And they, my employees and team and the actors actually competed in this in the finale. Um, and that's why I shot it, because I was just like, Grim Expo West is coming, and let's just make this show. Let's just do it. So Eric, my husband, and I, um, and Rachel, who I work with, she's one of my groomers. She's freaking hilarious. Yeah, she's, um, she's, uh, she's, she's, she's one of the so funny. Lemon. She's, she's Lemon's, yeah, yeah, she's yeah, Lemon's yeah. Glam Squad. Yeah, yeah. 
She is so funny. Like it makes me mad because I went through all this comedy training and she's funnier than me and I'm like upset about it. Um, but she and I wrote the show together with Eric and it's, you know, it's really funny. Like one of the episodes, they think one of the dogs was on the Jeffrey Epstein, um, documentary and they like hire a pet psychic to crack the case. Another episode is called Mimo gets an agent where Eric finds out that one of my clients is a dog agent. So he brings my dog and tries to get her to sign him. There's just like weird, fun premises. Um, And then, yeah, there's just, I just really feel like we made a really great show. And I think that, um, I really think I can sell it. And if not, it's going to be the best web series YouTube has ever seen. I can't wait. So maybe you'll see it. Maybe you won't. I don't know. If anyone's working at Netflix, listen to this. Come on down, baby. I'm going to send it to you. Was it difficult to what was there like any red tape involved with like filming at that at the expo or was that or were they like, nah, do what you want? They said do what you want. They love yeah. me. I've been going to Groom Expos since, you know, since before Instagram, like back in the sure. day. Um, and I was competing and I've made friends and I teach there and like they're all my friends. They're like, Yeah, do whatever you want. I don't care. Oh, that's awesome. I put them in it. I was like, Can I do this and you're gonna be in it? So yeah. the president of Barkley who his name's Todd Shelley. He's the president of Barclay and Barclay's the company that puts up the, these trade shows. I was like, you're going to be in it. And also, can I film this? And he, said, yeah. <laughs> he loves me. I love uh, him. That's awesome. I, and it's, it, yeah, you're definitely in a great position too, to where like, yeah, your clientele is probably pretty easy. Everybody loves coming to you and everything like that. I'd be like, Hey, could you want to, you mind just doing this thing real quick? Um, Actually, I was, I wouldn't, I didn't do it. I, I didn't really want to reach out to clients. Oh, okay. I, okay. I reached out to more actor friends. Like friends? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like I asked Taylor Schilling to be in it. I asked Jake Johnson to be in it. Um, I asked some UCB comedy friends, um, okay. Mike Mitchell, who has a podcast, Doughboy's podcast. Um, but yeah, I asked my old comedy friends that are just funny, you know, and maybe yeah. they're not really working. They're not famous, but they're funny as hell. And I wanted them to be in it. Got when it. I make the show, I'm going to cast my friends and just give them opportunities because they're so funny. There you go. That's the right, so I mean, that's the right. That's the right thing to do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, th- this is this is such a fun. This is fun, such a fun chat. Let me kind of hit you with the last question that uh, you didn't want to yes. be. You didn't want to be prepped for. So here you go on the spot. You okay. Ready? Right. You ready? Yeah. I'm ready. When was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you'd been working so hard towards? When I made for the love of dog. When I made that show. That's the moment. Yeah. That's the moment where my, that's my, that was my ultimate dream job to create a show. Based around all the stuff that you've been building up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Based. Yeah. A, a improvised show. It's completely, it's improv and dogs and that's, and funny. And yeah. that is my dream. That's the dream right there. And you don't have to pay for uh, location. <laughs> nope. I mean, I do pay the rent. I but yes, I true. don't. I didn't have to pay for the location. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, I, uh, you know, Ashley and I both appreciate you so much and the way you've made our dogs look so, so lovely and so beautiful. The internet also <laughs> loves the way our dogs have looked lovely and beautiful. So um, everybody has to thank you for that. Um, so yeah, this is, thank you so much. This was such a fun chat. Yes. Thank you for having me.
And that is our show. Thank you so much to Jess for coming on. And thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed to the show, please do that. Do it on Apple or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. And if you would not mind leaving a kind rating and review, that helps oh so much. And last reminder, there's a bonus episode with Jess available right now when you head up the Patreon at patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. All right, take care, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye.